Okay. So what do a duck, an iceberg, and a meeting on a desert road have in common? Anyone? Okay, it sounds like one of those bad jokes, right? But there's no punchline. This is not a bad joke. Uh, it's actually a serious question. And, and it is a serious question that is relevant to what I'm going to be telling you today. You see, probably since the Titanic sunk, people have been saying, you know, you've been taught that you only see the tip of an iceberg and that 80% of it is actually below water. Is that correct? Have you heard that before? So if you really want to get the full picture, you need to go below the surface, you need to go deeper to see the full picture. Similarly, ducks have often been used, usually by sports coaches, for those of you who play sports, as an example of um, looking calm on the outside while you're constantly paddling like crazy under the water. So that's something one of my sports coaches always told me. So be like a duck. So both examples, in both examples, you see that there's a difference between what is above the surface and what is below the surface. There's a difference between what is seen and what is unseen. And what has that got to do with a desert road? Well, today, the, the passage that we're going to be looking at in Acts 8, verses 26 to 40, it's going to be talking about a meeting on a desert road. And what I'm going to submit to you is that that meeting, much like an iceberg, much like a duck, is there's, there's something to it that is seen, that is readily apparent, that is visible on the surface. And there's something that is deeper. There's something that is happening behind the scenes, that's happening below the surface, and that is unseen. And both these things, I think, are relevant for today. Both these things are something that we can learn from. All right? So why don't we take a look at it? Let me read out the passage to you. Um, this is Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down... Oops, wait. Let me first... Yes. Goes down to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Not even sure whether you can read it, but... This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him, who can, who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and begin with this, beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea." What is seen and what is unseen? Let's start with what is seen. What is seen is revelation. 
Revelation is, as we all know, we have probably heard of it so many times by now, but Revelation is the revealing of something, and in this case, it's the revealing of God. In many ways, this passage is really a story of Revelation. Just like much of the book of Acts, just like much of the New Testament, God is revealing Himself. He did that in Jesus' time. He did that in the apostles' time. He did, he's doing that now. It is a story of Revelation. And what we see here is that we see an official in the Ethiopian court, and, and he, we know he's an important person. He's basically the minister of finance for, for this whole kingdom. He was in charge of the treasury. He was also a God-fearer. He actually feared God. That's why he was, going, he was coming back from Jerusalem. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. But even though he was a God-fearer, he could not comprehend the scripture. He was reading Isaiah the prophet and he was clueless. What does this mean? And he was going along on this desert road struggling to understand until one Philip the evangelist came along and he told him and he preached the gospel and his eyes were open and right there and then he said, there's water, let me get baptized. He accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And even though we don't know it, um, we can't be sure, but some of the early church fathers, they say that this man went on to the kingdom of Ethiopia and he brought the gospel with him. And there was more revelation. There was more people accepting Jesus Christ from this encounter. This is a story of revelation. God is revealing himself, first to this man and then to the nation. But what? When I, when I was preparing for this, what, what really struck me was a particular verse, and that's verse 31. Verse 31 is the Ethiopian's response to Philip when Philip asks him, do you understand what you are reading? And what was the Ethiopian's response? How can I, unless someone guides me? How can I, unless someone guides me? You see, what is interesting is, if you look at it in the context and you want to paraphrase it, if you want to sort of explain the story, um, basically, Philip is asking, hey, do you know what you're reading? And, he say, and he's saying, no, I don't. Come and teach me. And then it goes on. And it could have easily been said like that. He could have easily said that. It could have easily been recorded like that in the Bible. You know? Do you understand what you're reading no, come and teach me. But instead, it is recorded with this question. How can I, unless someone guides me? And I think it is that way. Because I believe that God has a point, perhaps more for, I mean, for our benefit. You see, the reality is God is revealing himself. But he wants to do it with us. God is revealing himself, but he wants to do it with us. How can I? It's like he's asking, how can they unless someone guides them? And you know, this, this whole passage when I was reading it, what it reminded me of is, and I think we, we talked, I mean, Joanne talked about this previously, and it reminded me of that video, you know, from um, that lady in Teban Gardens, Jennifer, who... Who I mean, I think most of us have watched the video, but if you didn't, she's one of the residents at Teban Gardens, and, and she was just sharing her testimony of how she came to Christ. And I think Joanne mentioned the thing that struck her was that she said, you know, I was just waiting for someone to ask me to become a Christian. I was just waiting for someone to ask me to become a Christian. And that, that really shows what it means that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But I mean, when, when Joanne first said that, I was actually like, actually, why can't this lady just go and ask like, to become a Christian herself? Why does she need someone? But as I was reading this passage, I think what I believe is, it's not a question of need. It's a question of how God has ordered things around, how God is working with people. You see, God does not need any of us to go and reveal himself to anyone, okay? Um, like, he, he doesn't, you know, we, we, even now, we have stories of people in the Middle East who, 
who through dreams, who through visions, through no human intervention, they come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He doesn't need us to go and preach to people. He doesn't need us to invite our friends to, to, to whatever it is, but He wants to. He wants to. That is His plan. That is how He ordained it from the start of time. He is about creating men and partnering with them and building together, and, and it is amazing. Okay? It is amazing. I, I, I want to say, how can I unless someone guides me? Yeah. And, and I think w this is one story where this happens, where, where Philip is going and, and we, see, we see this question. And if you think about it, like I said, actually God doesn't need you. So you can say, yeah, actually someone can teach. The, like he can just learn, he can read the thing and he can get the revelation himself. But God wants to use us. And I think another story where you see that a lot more strongly, or at least where I am quite amazed by, is it's just one chapter down in Acts. And it's the conversion of Saul. Have you ever wondered when you read the conversion of Saul, what is the point of Ananias? I mean, if you think about it, you know, you talk about dreams, visions, you talk about God coming and, and just directly revealing them. That's what he did with Paul, isn't it? Right at the start, he said, he, you know, Paul is walking along the road, he's going to Damascus, bam, bright light comes out. Paul falls to the ground and, he's, uh, and, and, and the voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And who are you, Lord? I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And he gets up and he's blinded. God tells him to go into Damascus. And that's when you think, well, he already spoke to him once. Why can't he just speak to him again, you know? Jesus healed the blind man by telling him to go and wash his eyes at the pool of Siloam. Why can't he just say, Paul, Saul? Go wash your eyes at, at whatever pool there is there. And then he's healed and it's still a miracle, right? Yet he calls this man Ananias, who of course has his doubts. He has his doubts. He, Paul has been persecuting the church. Ananias has his doubts about Paul. But God says, I want you to go and do this. Because this man is my chosen instrument to bring my word to, to, the, to, the, to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And Ananias obeys. It's not that God needed Ananias. It's, God, it's that God wants Ananias to be involved. And, and that's the reality for all of us, I think. You know, all of us have, most of us, I would think, if not all of us, have come to Christ through someone. That is how God builds His kingdom it is us bringing someone to Christ, then growing in Christ, bringing someone else. And, and it's a beautiful, beautiful image of the unity of the church, of the growth, growth of the church. It's a beautiful image of God involving us in a work. You know, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I really feel honored to think that not only I, who am a sinner, who, are the, who am the scum of earth, God would come down to this earth to die for my sins, and then, instead of just being a saviour, He involves me in that work of salvation, involves me in that work of revelation. And that excites me. And I hope it excites you. I hope, you know, when you talk about celebration of hope, and, and, and yeah, I hope that, there's, that God wants to use you. He wants to use you to reach out to people in your school. He wants to use you to reach out to those in your social circles. And he's saying, how can they unless someone guides them? That is the way I operate. That is what I want you to do. God is revealing himself. Make no doubt about that. Celebration of hope. I firmly believe God will reveal himself. In this next couple of months, I firmly believe that God will reveal Himself. There's going to be a great work of revelation. Now, the question is, He wants us to do it with Him. Are we in? Okay? He wants us to do it with Him. Are we in? And, and I don't know if what I'm saying, I'm, I'm not coming here with a great story or anything like that. I'm just telling you what I, what I feel and I'm not sure if what I feel and what I'm saying makes sense to you, whether it speaks to you. But if you're taking notes, or if you're not taking notes, I, I encourage you to go and just highlight this verse 
how can I, unless someone guides me, highlight it, circle it, underline it, over this week, meditate on it. Because I believe that there is a spiritual truth here that God wants us to know and that He's going to deposit into each of our hearts if we seek Him, if we follow Him, if we obey Him. Revelation. How can I, unless someone guides me? So that's the first point. That is what is seen. That is what is apparent from this story. It is a story of great revelation. What is unseen? What is unseen is preparation. You see, this is no chance encounter between the Ethiopian and Philip. God prepared this. It's not a mere coincidence. Okay, look, Philip is called Philip the Evangelist. He's called Philip the Evangelist, main, I mean, in his modern day times, you know, we've started calling him because he, we want to, you know, there's another guy called Philip the Apostle and we didn't want to get confused, so we call him Philip the Evangelist and Philip the Apostle. But he's an evangelist. And what type of evangelist goes to a desert road to do his job? If you are an evangelist, you'll go to the biggest city around to preach the gospel. And that's what many preachers back then did. That's what many preachers now still do. That's what Billy Graham does. He goes to cities. He has rallies. We have Celebration of Hope. All these things. But Philip went to a desert road. Why did he do that? Well, the answer is because the Spirit led him. You look at, you look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And just in case we were not clear, the Bible says this is a desert place. The Spirit tells him to go to a desert place. How would you feel if you were Philip? Now, just for your information, you just go back one chapter. You go to Acts 8. Philip was in Samaria. And he, he gave, he, he went there. He, there was persecution in Jerusalem. He, he escaped Jerusalem. He went to Samaria and he preached the gospel. And thousands were saved. Thousands heard the word and they came to know. This was a mass rally. Philip was basically Billy Graham. He was, it was like COH. It was big mass rally and so many people were saved. And it was amazing. People are rejoicing. Everything is, 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 is going on. And, and, and Philip must be wondering, what's next, Lord? What's the next place you want me to go? Maybe you want me to go to Rome. Maybe you want me to go to Caesarea. He ended up in Caesarea at the end. What's next? And the Spirit tells him, go south to the de desert road. And Philip obeyed. Philip obeyed because he trusted the Spirit. He knew what the Spirit was doing. I mean, he knew that the Spirit knew what it was doing. And the Spirit, God knew. Because God knew that at that very moment, there will be this Ethiopian court official coming down the road and and. And, and studying the book of Isaiah and having a question that only Philip could guide him on. And, and that encounter was not a coincidence. It was not some sort of chance happening. It was all directed and planned and prepared by, the God, by God. God prepared that encounter. We see it later on, even when he's on the desert road, the Spirit continues to prompt him to go and speak to the Ethiopian and once he baptizes him, palm, he's gone, teleported out to, to Azotus. The Spirit was continuously working there. The Spirit planned this, God planned this, and he saw it through. And so God is preparing encounters. But it goes deeper than that. And, and what I really want to focus for this point is not on the fact that God is preparing our encounters but that God is preparing men. And, and I mean men as in the... God is preparing people. Um, <laughs> just, just in case, you know, some people are not happy. Um, yeah, but God is preparing people. And why do I say this? Because who is Philip? Is this the first time we see Philip in the, uh, in, in the Bible? No. Philip the Evangelist, again, not Philip the Apostle, 
we first encounter him in Acts 6, a few chapters before this, where, you know, what was happening was that the church was facing this, this situation. They were growing in numbers, and then there was an issue with the distribution of food. There was an issue with the distribution of food, and, and, the, and the leaders, the apostles thought, okay, it's not right that we should give up teaching the Word to go and to uh, Word of God to serve tables. So they appointed seven men to do this. One of them was Stephen, who became a martyr just a chapter later, and the, another was Philip. So before Philip was Philip the evangelist, he was Philip the administrator. He was basically doing catering for the church. Okay? He was Philip the administrator. And then, he, then the church faced persecution. They were scattered. Acts 8 says they were scattered, and Philip was one of those who were scattered. He faced that persecution. He left the church, found himself in Samaria, and now the man becomes evangelist. He starts preaching. He starts sharing the Word of God, and he sees, in faith, he sees results. And then God tells him to go. To... You see, it is a journey. It is a journey. And I believe that God was preparing Philip constantly for the next step, the next step, the next step. You know, waiting on tables, preaching to, to the multitudes, and then going to a desert place and, and sharing Isaiah. I mean, how does Philip know? I mean, it could be that, that God revealed the entire, you know, how to do a sermon on Isaiah to Philip. Or maybe Philip studied the Bible and, and you know, listened to what Paul and the others were saying. God had been preparing him all the way to this very point. And so what is my point here? My point here is Philip's obedience, Philip's sensitivity to the Spirit, Philip's readiness for this revelation and this encounter, it, was not, it did not come overnight. It came with preparation. God was preparing him and he responded. Now, I want you to remember that God was preparing him and he responded. And, and it's not just a one-off thing. It's not there's a preparation and then you just have one event. No, it's continuous. It's continuous. I think if you ask any of your leaders, even if you ask Pastor Joanne, you know, God has, for us, I think we have seen God change our lives over the past few years, grow us, prepare us for the next stage. You know, there's so many things in my life where He came in and He, he said, you need to do away with that. You need to get rid of that pride. You need to study the Word deeper. You, 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 you cannot preach until you know what the Bible is saying. You cannot do this. You cannot do... I mean, it's not that you cannot... But I, he's saying, I want you to do that, but I need you to be prepared first. And he's preparing. He's preparing us for the next step, the next stage. There's always a next step, a next stage. And that's what happened with Philip. Philip was faithful with little, and God gave him more. And we build up step by step. So God is preparing the encounter, but he's also preparing the man. And what does that mean for us? Well, one thing I can think of it means for us is that we've got to get prepared. You know, God is doing a work. What is, what is going on? What does He want to prepare us for? Well, one thing is we've got a boot camp coming up. And, and you know, I, I, I seriously believe, you know, if you have not signed up for it, go sign up for it. You know, Heidi is waiting to work on her spreadsheets. She wants registrations to come in. But, but more seriously, I, I don't think it's chance that we have this boot camp. I don't think it's also... You know, Pastor Joanne's amazing administration, why we have a boot camp. I, I think, I think, man, I never said that she's not a amazing. Uh, I'm, don't, don't, don't try to imply things when, they, when they're not there. But, but, no, no. It is, this is a spiritual thing, okay? This is what I want us to know. The preparation is a spiritual thing. It, it, Pastor Joe prays a lot about this ministry, and I believe that what, she's doing, what this boot camp is about is something that God has placed on our heart because God wants to prepare us. He believes that it's important that we get prepared, that we get to learn certain things of the kingdom, that we learn certain things about the word, we learn certain things about prayer, whatever it is, so that when we have that encounter, when, when He calls us to desert roads, when He calls us for the next steps, we are ready. We are not sitting here waiting, we are preparing because God is preparing us. You know what I mean? God is preparing us, and we need to respond. He wants us to respond. So, I'm just going to call the musicians up. Um, it's pretty, pretty straightforward sermon today. 
And, and I just, yeah. God is revealing Himself. God is preparing us. And they happen in conjunction. They are happening constantly. And we got to be ready. we got to respond. You know, the book of Acts, in some places it's called the Acts of the Apostles. Other places they say, call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I think, I think both are equally valid titles because what it really is is the story of the Holy Spirit working through people, preparing people, sending them out, and doing amazing things, revealing the gospel, performing miracles, performing signs and wonders. And that same Holy Spirit that we see in the book of Acts is available here today, and He is here to do amazing stuff in our midst as well. God has a plan, guys. God has a plan. He has a plan to reveal Himself to the nations, to Singapore, and He has a plan to prepare us to be involved in that. The question is, do we want to respond? Are we willing to respond? And I would implore you today, be faithful. You know, go, go to the boot camp. Go walk in the Spirit. Go pray. Go prepare yourself. Listen to what God is saying. And God will use you in a mighty way. Let's close in prayer. Father, you're the Almighty, you're the Alpha and Omega. And the Bible is your story. It's your story of your plan. And I believe right now, Lord, that you are bringing a revelation of who you are to the nations, to Singapore, whether it's a celebration of hope, whether it's after it, whether it's before it, Lord, you are going to be revealing yourself. And we thank you that you want us to be involved in that. So Lord, right now, I just pray for each of my brothers and sisters that, that you know, I, I've spoke only in words, but I believe you speak in the Spirit and you will speak to them spiritual things right now about what is said, about what you want them to know, and that you'll speak to each individual because you know them by name. Place something in their hearts to take away, something that you want them to do, and let them respond. So we're going to have a time of response now and I and I want to open the altar to those who if something today spoke to you you feel that God God wants to involve you whether it is in revealing himself or in, he wants to prepare you or what it is he wants to involve you and the Holy Spirit is here the Holy Spirit is available to us so if you, I just want to invite any of those who want to come and you want to say, God, fill me with your spirit, prepare me and, and transform me and, and prepare me for the next step. I invite you to respond by coming to the altar and just, just as a sign of your faith and we'll pray for you as well. So yes, the altar is open. Shall we all stand up? It's gonna have a time of worship and yeah, like like what Janahan has. Um, spoken about. I want to encourage you, you know, if, if that's you, if you're willing to be a Philip, you know, whether it is to preach to the crowds in Samaria or whether it is to go to a desert road and talk to one person and maybe change the nation of Ethiopia or whether, you know, in this season God is calling you to wait tables and just do something for His glory because in preparation for whatever He was, He's going to ask you to do. If you are willing to be a Philip, 
I want to I want to encourage you. Come up. We'll pray for you. You dedicate yourself to the Lord and 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 offer yourself on the altar. So we're gonna sing. We're gonna worship. And whoever wants to respond, would you just come up? Spirit, break out, break our walls down. Oh, Spirit, break out, heaven come down. Oh, Spirit. Heaven 
share with you um, something that, that Stefan was sharing during the prayer meeting just now and, and you know he was saying that he feels like maybe we have lost our burden for souls and, and, and I think maybe that, that is that is possible that we've gotten so busy or maybe we're caught up with our own stuff and our own I don't know school or, or whatever whatever else that we have stress or issues our struggles and, and maybe we've lost that burden for souls and you know more than that it's, it's not even just about souls about winning souls but but you know really when we talk to you about like evangelism and reaching out and all that the, the thing that we most desire the thing that we most desire is the glory of God it is the glory of God it's not just you know like, oh let's bring in a lot of people so that we can feel great and have a great ch- big church or whatever have a lot of people and numbers and, and all that but we are hungry for the glory of God. And if you read the book of Acts, you will see that the disciples, they were hungry for the glory of God. They saw the resurrection. They saw that this is the risen Christ. This is the living Savior. And there is no other response than to surrender my life and give my all for the glory of the Lord who gave it all for me. And that's why they went out and did all these crazy things, you know. And that's why the Word of God is spread like wildfire. And today... The message is a very simple one. The harvest is plentiful, right? We've talked about the Jennifer video and, and all that. The harvest is plentiful. And our God is a God of the impossible. He's the God of miracles. He can, with a snap of His fingers, just like, you know, bring people to know Him or whatever. And like John Han was saying, right? In the Middle East, people, He just appears to them in dreams. Nobody have never heard the gospel their entire life. They go to bed one day, they, Jesus appears to them in a dream and they are a sold-out Christian. They are persecuted in a Muslim country where they're not allowed to say anything about any other religion and there they are. They are converted just by the Holy Spirit. It is possible. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. But He wants to work with us. He wants to work with us. And He's not asking for very qualified people. He's not asking for specially talented people who can you know, do this and do that. He's just asking for your availability. Philip started out waiting tables. He just set up tables. That's what a deacon is supposed to do. Just manage, make sure that people get their food or whatever. That's what he did. But because of his little steps of faithfulness, God used him to preach to this Ethiopian eunuch on the way home in the desert. And do you know that Ethiopia is a Christian nation? They are a Christian nation, you know. A lot of people trace it back to this event with Philip. And all you have to do is bring God your little bit of availability. And He can use us. He can use us for His glory. You speak to any of the leaders. None of us set out to be like, oh, I want to be like a great pastor, a great preacher. No, we just got involved because we kept saying yes to small things. We kept saying yes to things like, I don't know, like setting up the table, designing something like the bulletin or whatever. You know, it's like small little things. And God slowly uses you for bigger things. And He uses you for His glory. He uses you to reach people. He uses you to touch people. You know, some of, some, some, some of us, we, we have no idea. We just like randomly invited a friend to church. And today they are Christians. It starts out with a small yes to God. Small availability. It's whether you want to or not. And if you are not willing, I'm telling you, you will miss out. You will miss out big time. You can live a comfortable life you know, in your little comfort zone. It's fine. Nothing is wrong with that. But you will miss out. You will miss out big time of seeing the glory of God and seeing the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit working in your lives. And so I want to encourage you, if you are willing, you don't have to be some great Christian, you know, some great like 
like you've known, you've read the Bible like three times or whatever, you know, you know everything or you're super talented and can serve here and there. All God is asking for is that little bit of availability. He's not asking for your ability, your talents. He's not even asking for like your, your moral holiness or like some, some you know, you're a super moral person or whatever. No, He's just asking for your availability. You bring that to Him. I challenge you. You bring that small little bit of availability to Him. He will use it for His glory. This is the story of my life. It's all I did. All I did was say yes to this, say yes to this, say yes to this. That's it. Somehow God uses me somehow. I don't even know how. I am the most horrible person. Seriously. John Han said, scum of the earth. That is it, right? Paul said, I am the worst of all sinners. That is it. But you bring God your availability, your little yes, your little willingness. He uses it for His glory. I want to challenge you. I challenge you. Just bring Him a small bit of your availability. See how He uses you. And see how He uses you for His glory. We're just going to continue worshipping for a little while more. We'll leave the altar open. We'll pray for some more people. If you want to be prayed for, if you want to give your little bit, your five loaves and two fishes, that's what that little boy brought. That's all. And God multiplied it to feed 5,000 people and more. It's never about you. It's never about your, your ability. It's just you bringing that little availability to God and He uses it for His glory. So we're, we'll leave the altar open. If anyone wants to be prayed for, you can come out um, and we'll just continue worshipping for a while.
This alabaster jar is all I have of worth. I break it at your feet, oh Lord, it's less than you deserve. You're far more beautiful, precious than the oil. The sum of my desires and fullness of my joy. Like you spilled your blood, I spill my heart as an offering to my King. And here I am, take me as an offering. And here I Spill my 
And you, O oh Lord, and I will. 
Open up my eyes and wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Great. 
God, we thank you that we serve a faithful God. God, we thank you that we serve a God of miracles. God, we thank you that, that we serve a God who is sovereign and, and all-powerful and, and all-knowing. And, and God, we stand in awe of you. And, and all we can do really is to offer you our lives and say, have your way. Have your way in us. God, have your way in us and do what you will. God, we, we ask for the privilege to be used by you and we thank you for the privilege of being involved in your work and in your kingdom. And so God, would you give us the strength to continually offer our lives to you that you might take our, our, little, our little lives and just use it for your glory. And so God, we're asking be glorified in our lives, be glorified in Lao Jen, glorified in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, we'll see you um, at Celebration of Hope and then after that at PPP or MMA.